Hello. Hello. Welcome back to Burning Yammer, Japanese retrospective podcast, season one, episode three. Did, um, did subsection? Did we ever leave though? Because I've just been in the podcasting space uh, the entire time, watching nothing uh, but Japanese wrestling and the commercials. Well, yes, we both just sat here since the last episode, and we just did the next one, and that's how we do all of them, but we don't want to break the fourth wall. That'll really give away what we're doing here. Um, fourth wall, son? I'm on the fifth. Okay. We just sit in a in a barren cube, except for an old television that shows AJPW shows, and then we <laughs> record it into a gramophone, and then we send it via carrier pigeon. And the entire time, the entire time, mm -hmm. uh, Antonio Inoki is just screaming at us, and his giant chin is blocking out the sun. He's he's actually crucified in the other room. Um, it's, <laughs> it's a whole he had he had such sights to show it's us. It's a whole Evangelion situation. Um, uh, I'm Bert. I'm Anthony. I'm Bert. And, uh... <laughs> that's it. That's all that's on my birth certificate is just Anthony. Nothing else. Oh, uh, see, I had a Burt certificate. That's the problem. Ha That's why I'm Burt. You see? <laughs> certificate of Burt authenticity. We watched this week... <clears throat> we went back to men's wrestling. Men fighting for their, their custody of their children in family court. Uh, all Japan... <laughs> January 3rd, 1990, <laughs> from Korakon Hall. Yeah, this was... So... Yes. It, it, okay, so this is something that I, I have to say about this. So, like, I assume that this aired, you know, on television, like, weekly? Was this, like, a weekly event I, that we know? I can't tell you yet, because I haven't watched enough of it, but I'm pretty sure that is the case. I'm pretty sure this is, like, this is, like, Saturday night main event, you know? See, I'm almost wondering if it wasn't like uh But Saturday Night Main Event know, was more of like a, a periodic thing. I feel like this was weekly because they have a lot of shows. Go on. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh yeah, the Saturday Night Main Event was like a once every three or four months thing yeah. where you'd see, you know, a, a cage match with Hogan where Hogan would just win. Mm -hmm. Uh, all the time mm -hmm. he'd show up in the middle of other people's matches and win and it would go down on his record as a win yeah very strange it's times. more of a weekly show i think like wcw nitro or for example uh shotgun saturday night <laughs> just oh yeah thinking yeah. of the worst show i can think of uh we see I, i'm trying to think of like when the time slot would be because i it, it's almost made like the old Saturday morning WWE like wrap up clip show that they would do every Saturday morning for kids. Yeah, it was called like Saturday Morning Slam or something like that. I remember this. That was when did they do that? Oh yeah, twenty tens. I watched. Uh, no, they did it whenever I was a kid. Oh wow. Okay. Um, okay. Was yeah, because uh, the thing is, Saturday morning cartoons would end at like eleven or eleven thirty, because uh, this was before uh, X Men came on at Fox Kids at eleven thirty, because it was just too edgy for the normal. Time Did they have slot. like Todd Pettengill? You know, no. Normally, 
Well, actually, yeah. Because, yeah, yeah. yeah. uh, okay, do you remember the old uh, ones where they'd be in, like, the, the TV room and they'd be, you know, looking at the I camera? I never, yes. Yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah. You'd have, like, yeah, Todd Pettengill or, or like... Uh, Most likely, more often than not, if it was Lord Alfred Hayes <laughs> yeah. or uh, Gorilla yeah. Monson. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. And, yeah, they're just talking about the TVs, you know, like, oh, my gosh, last week this important thing happened. It's like I think it's like the the olden equivalent of today's like because I, I I watched AW last week and I went to look up the card and I got their website. And, you know, how, like if you go on like a promotions website to look up what happened on the show, it's like and then CM Punk fought Daniel Garcia. It's all excla- exclamation points, and it <laughs> lays out the whole match. Like, Daniel Garcia hit a kick. And then he did it, th- the whole match is like that, and you're like, what the fuck? Like, who's, <laughs> somebody's really yeah, excited who's doing about the this match, I guess. play-by-play on this? Like, I hope they're getting... Yeah, somebody's writing all this down, but back in the day, you know, Todd Pettengill or, or Gorilla Monts or, or Lord Alfred Hayes would come in, you know, Lord Alfred Hayes would be like, last week, Jake Roberts gave The Undertaker such a shellac Okay, all right. But Which he's so excited about it, you know. You and don't like, know comes from Indochina, a place that my family once owned. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Yeah. And now, children, let's talk about the Falklands. Uh, and fucking Lord Alfred Hayes. But um, yeah, I get the feeling. <laughs> this week there was a disappointing showing in Grenada. It could have been, you know, actually that kind of ties into the show because, I mean, Japanese crowds are different to begin with, but there are like, there's cheering. Mm -hmm. There's actually occasionally like somebody will yell something and everybody will laugh. Yeah, I was noticing that. that. Yeah, I, I like that because the crowd is so like, I wouldn't say subdued. They're so formal that when somebody yells something and gets into it, everybody goes, ah, ha, 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 oh, yes, we are here to have fun. Uh, it's like a movie theater or something when when somebody yells at like the previews or something. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, the other thing is like the other half. Bring of these, back boss baby. <laughs> yeah, and everybody goes ah yes, we we love a good boss baby joke. But but the other half of the audience that cheers really sounds like kids. Like it's like kids. Oh going, yeah. Yay. So like maybe that was the thing back then. But it's just weird when you watch like. Great Kabuki versus Kenta Kobashi <laughs> and his yeah. kids like, yay, kill him, murder him to death. Well, and like, oh, like okay. in a in a later match, like we'll talk about that a little bit because I think I'm sussing out the demographics. Um, and it's mm-hmm. very interesting. It's quite possible that this was a Saturday morning, but but then of course that would be like Friday. No, it would be Saturday afternoon here or something like you know it would be like sunday morning <laughs> it's like fucking the next yeah. day somehow yeah um so this show first of all the the way these are cut and there's nothing we can do about this this is just the way the shows are there's no there's often no fooling about like some you will get entrances on like three of the four matches Sometimes, but then it will yeah. just cut into the match like like yeah, I know they get ready yeah. and the crowd cheers, but they just cut it out. Um, well, which... okay, so the thing is, I have watched in my time a lot of really cut up, like, mm-hmm. American matches. Yes. And I have to say, this is good. Yes. I don't mind this, because they generally will cut out the very beginnings, which, you know, this is like also a house show, like, style place right, uh, right. 
you know, because they're playing to a crowd. Mm-hmm. And so the beginnings of those sometimes are like just pleasers for the crowd or just reactions for them, which is fine to see sometimes. Yeah. But like, you know, they have an hour time slot to fill because this right. show is like 44 minutes. So that means they had, you know, 20 or 16 minutes of commercials. Right. So yeah. this was an hour show. So they had to like really get the stuff in. Mm hmm. And this one was not bad as far as, like, how they cut it up. No. Because I've seen American matches uh, that have been cut up on, like, you know, old grimy VHSs that you get at a flea market from an old man with one eye. And, you know, every time you go in there, he tries to sell you this Jake the Snake doll that has an arm missing, but he's like, oh, it's a collectible, and, you know, it really scares a young person. (laughs) Yeah, like, when I think of WWE cut, like, edited matches, I think of, like, like, uh, I, I can't think of an example, but, like, like, uh, like, ECW is a good example. When they got the ECW library and they just cut it to shit, which, granted, ECW pay-per-views oh, yeah. were already often cut to shit, but, like, they just take stuff out. They mm-hmm. just, like, cut matches up, remove stuff, and it's just, like, awful. This was just, like, they basically cut the beginning... But I honestly, I think most of the time it's probably the announcer being like, "This is this guy. This is that guy. They're gonna have a singles match." Da 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 da. The ring, the ring bell. They cut all that, which is like not a big deal. Mm-hmm. In my, they may cut a couple spots. It's hard to tell because it does seem like when they cut in, it's a big spot usually. Yeah. Yeah, because, like, I've watched American ones where, like, you know, I'm watching uh, the Boogie Woogie Man, Jimmy Valiant, uh, fight someone. Oh, Jesus. And I'm into, like, come on, I was a kid. And... (laughs) (laughs) I hate Jimmy Valiant, but go on, yes. I have not looked into Jimmy Valiant. He probably murdered someone. Anyway. Okay. um, And, like, there was one specifically, allegedly, um, Mm. where... Like, Jimmy Valiant, it's the beginning of the match, and he's, you know, grandstanding and hot-dogging, and he goes to do a hip toss to the, you know, heel opponent, mm-hmm. does the hip toss, and the second the guy lands, there's a cut, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> the boogie-woogie man, Jimmy Valiant, is in a sleeper hold, <laughs> and it's like, how did this happen? <laughs> what? Well, I'm guessing Jimmy Valiant... <laughs> hot dogged for another 10 minutes before he got put to sleeper. They're like, cut that shit. Nobody wants to watch it, which is, you know what? Absolutely correct. I do not. It's like, it's like, a, you know, if WWF went back and cut like the, the, the 15 minutes after a, Ho- a Hogan match where he like oh. fucking celebrates, you'd have like a fucking half hour show. Oh my just, God. Yeah. And that was the weird thing in the Summit episode we watched where he yes. was trying to do that and everyone was like, I don't know what you're trying to do here. <laughs> yeah, because they, they're like, ah, yes. How nice. Okay. Good yeah, job. Okay, you're doing it All a right. fifth time? Go away. Well, you said you were going to leave the ring. Why yes. are you coming back in? Yeah, sayonara. See you. <laughs> Go away. Yeah, it uh, it cuts in. Mm-hmm. And I gotta say, they probably cut a lot of this out because yes. immediately Kabuki's face paint is just worn off like he has been rubbed against sandpaper. <laughs> yeah, now I did want to say, and this is something I noticed in the other, the Summit show we did, Kabuki, like, 
I think his face paint is supposed to be like like the warrior type, the demolition mask type thing. Mm-hmm. But it wears off very quick and it just makes it look, it, it just gets like the outlines. So it just looks like his face is fucking cut up. Like he looks <laughs> like a fucking corpse in the ring. And I'm like, oh my God, that's terrifying. Well, no, and, and, so and he, does, he does the red mist at the beginning. So whenever you see yep. him with this fucked up face paint, it's like, oh no, am I watching Hellraiser? Is this the new Xenobite? Yes. Yeah, he has such shites. <laughs> he has such shites to show you. <laughs> you Can know, you he's imagine not that? that? The, in the middle of the match, the Great Kabuki just sprays a red mist, and all yeah. of a sudden, a hand from hell comes out and just starts oh, yeah, tearing King. his opponent yeah. apart. Or uh, who is the guy in uh, TNA who came out and got Joe? You know what I'm talking about? What's uh, that guy's name? What? He had like a. <laughs> now I want to look this up. Fucking Samoa Joe got dragged under the ring or whatever. Uh, ring Impact. Was there a Hell character in Evil. Impact at the time? Uh, oh man, was it Abyss? Because I mean, no, I think he was with Abyss or something, or like the Sinister Minister. Uh, nah. uh I want to find this dude's name because nobody's gonna remember what I'm talking. Uh, blah 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 blah. blah. J- Judas Messiah. Oh my God! What a deep what? Cut. Okay, hold on. God, that was hard Judas to find. Judas Messiah. Okay, Judas Messiah. Uh, what was this dude's name? That is a Vince fucking Ricky, name. If I've Ricky ever Banderas heard is his real name. Uh, El Messias Mil Muertes, Ricky Banderas, and King Muertes. Uh, uh, Puerto Rican. Um, oh, he was Mil Muertes in uh, Lucha Underground. Holy I think so. Shit. But in TNA, he he came out of the ring. Here, I'll find a picture. I mean, my man is jacked. <laughs> he came out from under the ring to. Uh, grab Samoa Senior Joe, Judas Messias. That's the guy that came out. Cut, cut to here. Judas Messias. That's the guy that came out of the TNA Impact. Yeah, Judas Messias. Jeez, what a weirdo. Oh, anyway, and, and is he and is he the one who drew the Willie on <laughs> Samoa Joe? No, face? I think that was probably Dixie Carter. Or I assume he drew it on his own face. Oh God. Um, it looked shit. <laughs> so anyway. <laughs> Can you imagine Dixie Carter just like super kicks the shit out of Samoa Joe and then just draws a willy on his face for the next five minutes? I bet she just did it while he was asleep. You know, it's very detailed. I mean, though. why? Why would Samoa Joe be sleeping near Dixie Carter though? I uh, allegedly, <laughs> uh, allegedly, allegedly. So stop, cut that. Those at, are horrible allegations. At, uh, Terrible. It should never. At be the beginning of the show. Uh, yeah. Okay. So it's great. Kabuki versus Kenta Kobashi, mm-hmm. which instantly I was like, "Oh, I'm in heaven." <laughs> yeah. So we we cut. Into the match, and Kenta Kobashi does a shoulder block to a springboard plancha to a splash off the apron to the outside. <laughs> and I was like, okay, Jesus Christ, I guess I guess I'm watching all Japan wrestling, then holy fuck. Like it just starts that way. And you're like, okay. So yeah, that that happens. Yeah, imagine <laughs> being a little kid, you turn on your television, and this 
brick shit house of a man, Kenta Kobashi, all of a sudden is like leaping from your television screen into your living room. Yeah. Yeah, I see exactly why Kenta Kobashi has, you know, the following in Japan that he does, because god damn. He is a big, scary man. Uh, he starts kicking Kabuki in the back really stiffly. Uh, it was like, oh god, ow. Kabuki gets a really sick lariat. Oh yeah, to the back of his yeah. head, and it was like... Because yeah, like, Kabuki absorbs all this, and then all of a sudden he just decides, nope. Yeah. And he just blasts Kabashi in the back of the head. And it is a running arm breaker. And I appreciate the commentary. At this point, I started noticing that they arm breaker, you know, like they really, of course, they do call every vertical suplex a brain buster, but that's okay. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, you know one reason that that is, don't you? Uh, no. I know nothing. Uh, so a lot of the Japanese professional wrestling names. Like, they had their own original names somewhat, but they standardized a lot of the names, uh, generally tending towards uh, English uh, pronunciation. Mm -hmm. So, that's why you get, you know, like, elbow drop, you know, ombreka, mm -hmm. uh, things like that. That way, um, when two people were working, one, one being a gaijin, one being, you know, a Japanese wrestler they could still go through matches because they had that shared understanding. Yeah, I know that. I just find it weird that a vertical suplex is a brain buster as opposed to like a vertical or just a suplex. Like, I guess it's just easier. Yeah. But like brain busters to me are like delineated from vertical suplex in that you basically drop the guy mm -hmm. more directionally onto their head and they kind of curl up at the end. Whereas a vertical, you just drop them on their back. Mm -hmm. But like, I guess that's a thing that with time that has changed. Like maybe back then there wasn't the delineation so much and it was just kind of, yeah, it's, it's basically the same thing. Who cares? Well, no, the, I mean, in American wrestling, there was the delineation, but the thing is, the Japanese, I think I've heard this, who knows, uh, were just like, that was the first thing they heard, so they just latched on. Because, I mean, you say suplex to them, and they're like, mm, I don't know, you have to say tiger suplex, and then right. they understand. I, I think later in the show, too, this will come up, but like, I don't think Japanese wrestlers do as many verticals. They are straight vertical suplexes. They pretty much do brain busters or other types of suplexes, like in lieu mm -hmm. of that. Whereas like in America it's it's pretty rare, at least back then, for people to do brain busters. They more often just did verticals. Um Yeah. So it's probably just a you know, translation thing. Um mm -hmm. so he does this running arm breaker and he just works over Kobashi's arm for a long time and I can hear Kobashi during this point going Scott Scott over and over and I'm like, ah, he's fucking cursing <laughs> in the middle of the ring I love it yeah Kenta's selling for Kabuki is amazing yeah this is kind of what I talked about on the Joshi show but this is like he, he's in a rest hold he is resting but the entire mm -hmm. time Kobashi's just like ah, like just fucking selling and selling and selling like, yeah like he's being killed yeah because it's not like you're gonna gas yourself like acting like you're hurt you know like it, you might as yeah. well act it up but like you know these days a rest hold in like a headlock is like you sit there and you kind of have a pained look on your face 
but you're not really like selling. You're just kind of like, uh, meh. <laughs> yeah, you just kind of, uh, you know, when Randy Orton puts you in a uh, rear chin lock for the mm-hmm. fourth time, you just kind of right. pout a little bit. Yeah, you just you know, like, uh, show everyone your uh, fake baby blue eyes that you know Vince made you wear contacts oh for. God. Remember um, when does he, he he doesn't do that anymore, does he? He does not do that God, anymore. Thank God, that was so awful. Um, we're talking, of course, about John Cena. Um, so uh, cool. uh, Kabashi turns around with like a cool looking. It looks like a figure four, but I don't think it is. I think he's just like grapevining the leg. With his legs, but it's not really a figure four because you have to like get the other leg through usually. He gets whipped in the corner and Kobashi turns around for the slash, but he eats a knee to the face. I was like, that's awesome. That's like the type of spot you would see today. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, freaking Kabuki just knees Kobashi like right in the shoulder face area and he drops like a sack of flour. Yeah, and then. Kabuki like Irish whips him and he and it looks like Kobashi's gonna go for the abdominal stretch but it goes into the rolling cradle bring this back bring back the rolling cradle it's fucking amazing yeah (laughs) not only that like the fucking announcer was like rolling cradle rolling (laughs) cradle and the whole crowd goes just "Ah!" losing yeah the crowd starts freaking out they're like oh my god he's rolling around the ring I think today it might be a bit antiquated but like you could Here's the thing about wrestling. Oh. Stuff can be stupid and you can get it over. It does not matter. Like, fucking The Rock did the people's elbow for years. Like, it's just a fucking elbow. Like, mm-hmm. if he could do that, then you could do a rolling. Like, I want to see, like, Brian Danielson pull this out. Just start doing fucking rolling cradle on fucking uh, Bobby Fish. I'll freak out. It'll be great. So, so there is an AEW wrestler who does do the rolling cradle. Oh, uh, now I have to guess. Like, Chucky e. T.? Cole nope. Cabana. <laughs> Close. In in that orbit. In the orbit of Chucky e. uh, uh Yuda? Nope. Chris Stat? Chris Stat doesn't do it. Chris Stat No way! Does it, baby. Oh, man. Yeah! Okay, that's awesome. Uh, <laughs> Chris Stat, more Chris Stat on TV. <laughs> she isn't on TV enough. Oh, God. Yeah, so, um, ooh. He keeps, Kobashi after this point keeps going for the Texas Cloverleaf. Oh, man. I yeah, love and it's cloverleaf. wild by this point because it's actually called the Texas Cloverleaf. Yeah. Because beforehand it had like, you know, in the 80s, whenever I mm-hmm. would see it done, it would have just a weird technical name that was Well, Dean Malenko, Dean Malenko hadn't invented it yet, so. Um, <laughs> I love Dean Malenko, but... Uh, but yeah, like I was like, oh my god, a Texas Cloverleaf, and they're calling it. Who who was doing it at this point? Was like, I, I don't know, Jack Mulligan. I don't know who the fuck was around at this fucking time. Uh, Brian Adams would do it. Uh, okay. Dean Malenko would do it. Well, he wasn't um, around by this point, I don't think. Uh, although I love Dean Malenko to death, maybe he was. No, no, no. Dean Malenko was wrestling at this. Oh point. hell yeah! Uh, okay. Yeah, because uh, this was 1990, I think, in 91 was whenever he went uh, to ECW for the first time. Or it might have oh, been shit. 90. Yeah. Okay. Well, wait, oh, 91? Yeah. ECW wasn't... Okay, so that was like NWA, Eastern. ECW. East- yeah, yeah, Eastern yeah. Championship Wrestling. Right, that was before the whole Shane Douglas nonsense. So, he hits... Kobashi hits like a last-minute follow-away slam into a bridge... And I think uh-huh. I think the announcers call it a 
blockbuster and i was like what isn't a blockbuster where you like jump over their head and pull their head like you flip over them you know yeah it's a flipping neck breaker or you know uh what big big daddy buff you know used to do (laughs) yeah i've never seen like a it was like a delayed bridge fall away slam i've never seen any held on Mm -hmm. to them uh so it's like what the fuck yeah uh hang hangman will do that move uh every now and again you gotta be fucking strong to especially against like kabuki i was like that looks like crazy yeah because the thing is kabuki is in the twilight of his career as we've seen a lot of people yeah like he can still go yeah like it isn't like bad that he's in there but you know the torch is being passed and yeah he is like one thing about uh male japanese wrestlers mm-hmm. is once they reach a certain age they just kind of like turn as square as possible yeah, yeah, yeah. for a human body to do i think it's cuz of like, the the workout regimen like they like real real wrestler wrestlers do like like hindu squats and hindu push-ups and just fucking turn into like back machines where they just bump forever and ever and ever and their backs are just like ridiculous and they just square up basically it's like taz or something well not really yeah taz just ate a lot but <laughs> you know they turn into that they turn into that square shape yeah it looks like uh you could take uh the great kabuki and like put him through one of those kid machine you know the those kid toys with the square hole just oh the right the square hole the square hole the great kabuki uh, goes in the square, goes in the square hole. hole. I forgot about that video. Uh, so <laughs> <laughs> Kobashi, it's a missile drop kick. Ow! Uh, and st- stop these, doing these. The, the <laughs> last two minutes of this match are a fucking whirlwind. Yeah. Um. So at this point, after the missile drop kick, I was like, man, like Kobashi has been working him over for like the past like five there's been no offense from kabuki at all uh and then i have kabuki wins with a crazy i don't know what you call it it's uh, it is a normal move but i don't know what it's called it's like a it's like a it's not a sunset flip it's like where you you grab somebody around their belly from behind and then they hit the ropes and you do the roll over backwards and you mm-hmm. hold their legs down. I don't know what that's called. It's probably just a fucking pin. I don't know. I've heard it called a rolling uh German pin. Um, that makes sense. Okay. And but he but he also bridges and then he lifts his shoulder after too. I'm like, oh man, what a fucking professional here. Like I know he's older, but I'm like, damn, that's really like there's guys in America who fuck that up so many times. Like, you will watch yeah. American matches, and they're supposed to get their shoulder up when they bridge, and they don't, because it's like, I'm doing, like, three things here. That's the last thing I'm thinking of, is the <laughs> fucking pin. But yeah, whenever Kabuki goes down, yeah, he bridges, and, like, this is a move that Zack Sabre Jr. has stolen uh, a ah. pretty good bit. And he'll win with this move, because it looks fantastic. It does look great. Especially whenever Zack Sabre Jr. like crosses his arms and bridges behind with his neck. Ooh, yeah, I like, like that. It, it looks amazing, and Kabuki looks amazing. Like, he, at this point, I think, is doing a very smart thing in his career and is wrestling like a veteran. Yeah. And the fact of uh, the, the psychology of the match is he essentially let Kenta Kobashi, the younger, stronger talent punch himself out 
and then Kobash, uh, Ken, or, uh, <laughs> so many K names, uh, Kenta yeah. Kobashi Kabuki. Yeah. And then Kabuki beats him with technique. And I think that was mm-hmm. very cool. Yeah, and we have Kawada coming up, and it's just all Ks. Um, so <laughs> I I liked it a lot. I gave it three out of five because I felt like towards the last five minutes, it was really like kicking into a next gear. And then it's not like the ending came out of nowhere, but I wanted like another five to ten. It, it felt like, oh, I want to see where this goes. And then the match ended, um, which is fine. Like, it's like, that's how TV matches go a lot of the times. But, like, mm-hmm. I thought it could have been, like, you know, a 4 or 4.5 if they kept going. Just because, and I think, honest, I mean, Kabuki was was good. Like, I like Kabuki, but, like, I think it was just Kobashi being fucking nuts. Like, the dude just did. I don't feel like he did 800 different things in the sense of, like, spot fest. I, and honestly, I haven't watched enough Kobashi, so I don't know what his typical moveset is. But I was watching him just, like, he does different things, mm-hmm. like, throughout the entire... Like, like people complain about John Cena's five moves of Doom or whatever, which is silly, because there's other wrestlers, like, fucking two moves. Like, Kevin Nash Yeah, come has on. The fucking, Elbow, powerbomb. He, he has the knee, he has the hair whip, and then he has <laughs> the fucking powerbomb. It's, like, all he has. So, uh, watching this guy, like, the dude just does, like, he does planches, he does... Texas Cloverleafs. He does weird things. I don't even know what they're called. Mm-hmm. And I'm and but it's not like it's not like he just does random spots. It's like he has this like ring vocabulary where he can just it's it's actually you know what it reminded me a lot of Malenko and I love Malenko yeah. to death. Malenko is one of my favorite wrestlers ever. I think he's super underrated. Um, so I felt like if it went another five to ten, I would have just seen like a fucking showcase. And what I got was good, but like, yeah, I was hoping for more. So, yeah. so the the you? thing is with this, uh, because we're doing this like transition period, you know. If you remember from the summit, um, Kobashi mm. was definitely playing the role of like young up and comer, and I right. think that this was one of the. One of the first couple of times, maybe, I'm probably wrong, but it feels like this is one of those times where, you know, the young talent is stepping up to the veteran talent and getting to showcase. Definitely. And I think that, you know, they are definitely, like, building towards something, maybe not with a uh, Kobashi and Kabuki, like, rematch, but... Kobashi is absolutely being like groomed for success because they recognize his talent. Cause I mean, yeah, one, he's that big. He is huge. And yeah. two, he is that flexible. He has that power and his selling is impeccable. Like that's mm-hmm. anything and everything a veteran of this time would love to work with. And, like, from things that I've heard about Kabuki is Kabuki was very much, if he didn't want to do something, he was not going to do it. And so for him to Good. give <laughs> for him to give Kobashi such a showcase, yeah, mm. it's there's great things. Like, I didn't have a problem with this match at all. I thought it was wild and crazy seeing them just showcase what they can do. 
Yeah. And Kabuki, like, showing through psychology in the match that he is, like, still someone to contend with. I gave this four, four Lariatos. Yeah, that's cool. I th- I didn't have a problem with it other than I just wanted it to be longer, which is, I think, a good problem to have. Uh, yeah. if, you, if you If you make the marks want to see more of the match, I think that's good. Yeah, th- for me, this didn't anger me like it did with Bret Hart uh, oh, versus no. Tiger Mask 2, you no. know, uh, uh, Misawa. Misawa, yeah. Because that one, I was just mad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because they, like, barely kicked it up to the next gear, and then it was over. Well, that that also sucks more because it's, it's longer, and when you mm-hmm. kick it up to the last gear in the last, like, five minutes of a 20 minute match a 30 minute match it's like oh christ like you know just get to it faster y'all, y'all really know. were just padding it the fuck out yeah i mean brett's known for for building match i'm fine with it but in the sense that it was a draw that that really sucks the life out of the whole thing uh this was i i still liked it a lot i will say like in terms of kobashi being big um i mean he probably is pretty tall but he's we're not talking like I think, like, in wrestling, there's lots of different types Whip. of big... I, I think of Kobashi as, like, like Dan Severin, who I'll also mention later. Like, it's that kind of, like, big, intimidating rap, but it's not like he's, like, ripped. I mean, he is... He's He looks... He's in good shape, but it's not like he's, like, like, Brian Cage or something, you know? Or, like, fucking The Undertaker. He's just, like built in an old-fashioned way he looks like he could fuck you up like if you saw him on the street you'd be like that's a scary motherfucker but he's not like flexing and shit he just could beat your ass like he could throw you somewhere like yeah he's intimidating um yeah he looks like if you were to cut him in half you could count the growth rings right well but you would never want to, you wouldn't get the chance because he'd kill you. No, yeah, he would catch the axe with his, like, pinky and, and fucking, with his thumb and forefinger and just be like, oh, put me in a Texas cloverleaf that somehow cuts my body in half. Um, yes, so, the second match on the card is Toshiaki Kawada and Samson Fuyuki versus the Fantastics Bobby Fulton and Tommy Rogers. Now, Oh my god. To start god. off with, we've been working so hard. We've been punching our cards. Are you ready to get footloose with Kawada Fee? <laughs> 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 this would be a great theme song for Hangman Adam Page, I feel, although nobody else would agree with me on this. It's God. <laughs> they they came out to it and I was like, wait. What is this? And then I listened and just, god damn, I was like, Footloose? Is Kawada about to teach the entire audience the the lesson of dance? Yeah, everybody's been so been so held down by the formal Japanese culture. They need to <laughs> <laughs> So yes, Footloose hits, they come out. We again in they come out in green matching leopard print with zebra no 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 it's not leopard well maybe the green is but the it's inset with the zebra uh inlay it looks like fucking uh god it looks like the awful uh owen hart and uh and uh anvil 
uh 1990s gear where they had like the fucking checkers and with the fucking day glow it looks oh. so bad so no no this looked amazing <laughs> okay i mean it's in the sense that footloose is such a bad <laughs> it's an amazing song well, well speaking like, of footloose here's a question for uh-huh. you bert um, so we didn't get to see the the Fantastics uh, ring entrance, uh, but since this no. is Japan, and apparently you can just play whatever copyrighted music you want, what song do you think the Fantastics came out to? See, I wonder if they just came out to Danger Zone. We just got double Kenny Loggins. <laughs> didn't somebody? Wait a minute. On Summit, somebody came out to Danger Zone, didn't they? Yeah, yeah. It was uh, one of the tag teams. Uh, but yeah, see, that's why I feel it's probably, it's probably just the, well, that was at the egg dome though. And eh, it's still all Japan. They probably, now if they came out to the look, that would be much better <laughs> Would that needs to be a thing. <laughs> Fucking get rock set on these wrestling themes. Uh, what do you think? Or do I you know, they, were you there? <laughs> I don't, <laughs> yes, I was there. I was a young wee child young of nine. Boy. I was yeah. a young boy of nine. Grabbing the towel of the great Kabuki and washing his ring gear. And I don't know. I just think it's funny to imagine all the different songs that they would have come out to. And I like to think that they would have came out to like, I don't know, Roxanne or something. That would have been fucking funny. That would be fun. Man, 80s (laughs) music is really good for wrestling. Roxanne! Boom, boom, boom. The crowd clapping along with it, you know? I, well, I don't know how over the... It's kind of weird with Gaijin seeing how, like, the crowd... It's it's interesting. So, yeah, the, the, the match just cuts into a huge rocket launcher. That's just what happens yeah. at the beginning of the fucking match. The Fantastics just do a rocket launcher onto fucking Kawada. No, it was on... Uh, 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 Samson. Yeah, so they do the rocket launcher. I think he goes for the pin. Well, no, he. I don't think he did. He put he put Samson in a a rest hold, and Kawada comes in and just fucking pelts this dude in the head with his fucking foot. And I'm like, oh my god, ow! Like, <laughs> yeah, I, it looked so stiff. And then that breaks it up, and then fucking <laughs> just to get back, like. Uh, I don't remember if it was Bobby or Tommy. They come in and just fucking pelt the other guy in the head with a kick. I'm like, oh, please stop kicking each other in the back of the head, please. Yup. <laughs> it goes for a drop kick. Bobby Bobby catches this drop kick for the double crab. It was a really fun spot. Like catching a drop kick doesn't seem exceptionally easy to me. Um, co- yeah, a lot of coordination. Um, yeah. And also, did you notice uh, that they, the, the Fantastics, mm. did like a proto version of Poetry in Motion? Yes, it looked really good too. Because like, uh, yeah, it did. Tommy Rogers got like set up. I don't know what you call it, the Ottoman. <laughs> he, turns, <laughs> he turns into the Ottoman of the ring. The three handled flying yeah, credenza. credenza. But like, he he just like snaps into place. Like Jesus, dude. Like. God, uh, I guess people were doing it back then, but it wasn't quite like this. Um, there's an incredible sequence where Kawada does a plancha to the outside, like a springboard plancha, and the camera cuts outside to the spot, and it's looking at them, and it's like, oh, shit, Kawada just gave this guy a plancha. And then you just see fucking 
Tommy Rogers just come in from the top of the frame and fucking plancha on top of him. You just crash on top of him. <laughs> you barely see the spot. It's like, oh my God. Just ow. Like, I don't even know if actually he planched or if he, uh, I think he did because it cut back in and barely got him. Well, well, Kawada, so like Kawada starts it off and like this is after Kawada gets the hot tag, yes. which. The so the hot tag in American wrestling is like a very defined thing at this point. And yeah. in Japanese wrestling and the things that we've saw, the tags just kind of happen. They just happen. Yeah. A lot of the and it's it it doesn't stop the action, but there's not that like build. There's point. no drama and to it a lot of the time. Sometimes sometimes the the whoever is getting the heat just puts the the downed opponent into their corner and they just tag and you're like wow that's yeah. weird it's not even because you're so used to seeing like the person getting beat up struggle to make the hot tag and they don't sometimes they just get thrown over there and they just make it and then the other person gets in is like okay it's my turn uh it's very like matter of fact sometimes yeah, and the interesting thing about this is uh, I can tell the Fantastics were, um, like, kind of putting their stamp on this because they beat Samson yeah. up for a long time. And yeah. then Kawada actually gets a, ha a, a hot tag in, like, the drama of the moment. Kawada yeah. comes in and just starts laying these kicks in. Yeah, that's what I have here. I have Kawada's kicks are fucking yikes. It's just... Mm -hmm. just, and and yeah. he literally kicks them outside the ring and that's where Kawada does a sick plancha gets back in the ring does a tope to the other fantastic yeah. they start brawling on the outside and then uh Samson just suplexes uh one of them out there in a full fucking suplex you just see his feet from the camera angle go above the ring apron and it's just like wee <laughs> yeah uh then there's an amazing spot where kawada kawada gets grabbed in like like if he was on his back he's not on his back but like i want to say it's uh it's bobby bobby grabs him like around the waist from the top while he's like facing the other way and he bridges up and then bobby like pulls him bobby like pulls him up towards mm -hmm. the air and his legs kind of come off the ground and they just slowly elevate and then he's in like a tombstone position and then he flips over and he does like a i guess it's a running tombstone i was like god people were doing tombstones back then fuck my life i mean i know undertaker did it but like I, yeah <laughs> it was like his big thing um Actually, this is well, 1990. The, Taker wasn't even Taker. The Undertaker tombstone, he had not uh, perfected it or looked at a tape at all because it's like he just had it described to him because he dropped people on a, on their heads more often than fucking not oh, wait, at this time. I guess Taker was around at this point. Yeah, he yeah. was. It was yeah, like 80... 1990s. He, he, he will debut, I think, at SummerSlam, so he is like six months off from this time yeah okay no survivor series because that was the show i remember this this was okay yeah, yeah, the yeah. nine months yeah, off. Yeah, yeah so right he's probably mean mark callus right now in wcw with fucking shim heard like ah, this guy won't smile yeah. i don't know what to do um so <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh there's a small subtle thing here i really love where 
Fuyuki goes to the apron to go to the top to do some move on to Tommy, who's on the ground, and Bobby Fulton just shuts him down immediately. He, like, he's on the apron with Bobby, so Bobby just runs over and starts clubbing the shit out of him. I'm like, thank you. Like, There's no way he would just stand there and watch him go to the top rope and jump on his partner. He's like, fuck that. I'm going to come over and club the shit out of you. Yep. Oh, I have here, um, getting hit with a Japanese chair looks like it fucking sucks. <laughs> yep, because it's just a metal frame, and Samson goes crazy <laughs> with that damn chair. Yeah, still to this day, I just think in Japan there's no there's no pageantry to furniture. Like like in in, <laughs> in wrestling, a table. <laughs> in, in I'm wrestling. sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold on. Yeah. No pageantry to furniture. There isn't. I'm just imagining like one of those old shows where it's like, oh, and check it out. We've got the credenza. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look at her. The home walk. shopping network. Yeah. Well, okay, but like, okay. Even in in America, <laughs> in America, we've gone so far as to have spray painted wooden ladders so that they look metal. You know, like that classic fucking TLC match or whatever, where they break the ladder and the fucking sawdust starts pouring out. Like, yep, yep. this. <coughs> excuse me. This is like still to this day. If there's a table or a chair in a fucking Japanese match, that that shit's just a real fucking table, and that shit's just a real fucking chair. <laughs> Somebody was sitting in it in a second. I mean, not that like American chairs are fake, but they're. If you okay, if you watch like AEW, right? Nobody's mm-hmm. sitting in those fucking chairs, like in the fucking folding no. chairs. Like nobody. We're not in ECW anymore. Like you know, people are sitting in nice, comfy chairs that you can't pull out. Uh, in ringside, they have like padded chairs that have like shit on them. Like nobody's mm-hmm, sitting in the mm-hmm. in the straight metal chairs, and definitely nobody's sitting ringside with the fucking table with nothing under it, and it's just the fucking thing you get in like a v- VFW hall, you know. <laughs> in Japan, is like, oh yeah, this somebody uses this to like, I don't know, not a dining table, but it's like a table that you put shit on by your yeah, mantle. Yeah, someone's putting you know? the sound. Someone's putting the sound equipment on <laughs> yeah, it later. And it's not like something that just breaks. It's like, oh Jesus. So yeah, he starts smacking with these fucking chairs. Uh no headshots, thank the God. Back, yeah, no headshots, but the back of the chair, like Samson yeah. hits uh the first couple of times, and like the backrest of the chair just goes flying off into the crowd. Oof. Yeah. It's like when Brock threw that car door into the crowd. Was it a car door? I don't remember. He threw something straight into the crowd and almost killed somebody. Um, yep. <laughs> another great subtle thing here, going back to the tags, where Bobby, it's Bobby again. He's, they they drag him over to the, like, their corner to make a tag, to, like, beat up on him in the corner, and he rolls away. He's like, I don't want to be here while these two mm-hmm. fuckers are in the corner with me, um, which is really great, because, again, it's like, he... He understands the mentality of I'm in a tag match and I'm not just going to have a match. Like it's very like keeping up the kayfabe of it. Um, mm-hmm. At this point, and I had this question in the Kobashi match, and you know more about wrestling, like the the mechanics of wrestling than I do. Mm-hmm. Are they seriously hitting each other in the face so hard that the slap noise is that loud? Because like they're hitting, they're not, they're not chopping, and they're not like kicking where you can slap your leg. They are punching the striking to the face and it's like smack 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 and i'm like are they 
there's no way you'd hit somebody in the head that like that would be like you just have potatoes like you'd be bruised to fuck and yep. I'm like, yeah so so there's three ways that they're doing it all right um okay. so take your fist uh, put it in front of your face like your uh, Booker oh, T. Oh, like I'm John Cena or Booker T, right? Okay. Um, make a fist mm-hmm. and you know keep it loose and turn your head to the side, like crank your neck, like put your ear to one of your shoulders. So on the side of your neck, right underneath your jawline, whenever oh. you go to punch. Oh, okay. Um, you can, you can really see this with stone cold punches. Uh, one, he actually lays them in pretty good, but this is an area, the side of your neck that there is surface area for whenever you have a loosely closed fist and you can manage to like hit, but not like, yeah, you're, you're just trying to, you know, snap. You can hit right there, and if you know what you're doing and the other person, like, understands, you can make a great noise with it. And also, you have to remember, wrestlers generally, especially in this time, are big, meaty men slapping That's meat. true. It's so, it's so, like, precise, though. Like, that's the thing, mm-hmm. is, like, I honestly... I never understood that I was like I can understand slapping your leg for a kick like I've seen Tajiri do it enough times to be like oh, all right they're slapping their leg that's fine yeah. now some people are better at it because Tajiri it's pretty obvious he's he just fucking takes his hand fucking smacks his leg really obviously these days like Cole will do it or the Young Bucks will do it and it's not like it's not the most obvious thing in the world unless you're looking for it so it's funny because they started they started fucking striking each other in the face and I'm hearing like pop pop and i'm like looking mm-hmm. at their hands i'm like they're not where are they slapping like where's the sound coming from uh yeah and, so yeah. either either one they're hitting on the side of their neck or two and you'll see uh bobby eaton was very good at this oh, okay he would punch and whenever he would punch he would Smack his chest maybe try and do, try and get as close as he could to them and sometimes he'd like extend his fingers from the fist to like you know make some contact but whenever he do it he you know like with his other hand with his free hand hit his like yeah i've seen people Um, do that that one makes sense to mm -hmm. me but like man yeah i was just like god there's no way they hit each other that hard there's no way it can't be (laughs) uh and then there's the third way and the third way is the terry funk is the terry funk way (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's okay uh but yeah like i i it reminded me of being a kid where i was like wait it has to be real <laughs> you know like there's you know <laughs> like i'm five years old again um oh there's well yeah, yeah. And, and that's the thing that's one thing that bret hart always you know got on to people about and rightfully so uh is like you know you have to make stuff look real but let the other person go home to their wife and kids yes like unbruised and unhurt and if you look at a Bret Hart match like he laid he laid it in but he never like just really potatoed someone except maybe stone cold but that's because yeah. stone cold works stiff and I don't think there was stiff, any yeah. heat there he probably asked just, him to lay it in yeah 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 but like well Bret's a good example cuz every every time Bret does that like backbreaker Every time I see that fucking thing, I'm like, that that looks like it killed the dude. That looks like that dude is dead. 
Oh, and but well, it has to be the safest fucking thing because he does it to everybody, and they just work the rest of the match. Like, you know. Well, you you want to know the secret of the backbreaker? It sure. really fucking hurts. Well, I'm sure it hurts. Um, so it is up to the person being backbroken to mm-hmm. break their own fall with it, and the way they do it, and you'll see people do this is. You have to slam your feet sole down as flat as you can in line with their knee where you're at, you know, the right angle where you're getting back broke. You try and hit your feet first. That way it breaks most of the momentum and then you're just kind of laid across their knee. Yeah, you bounce across their knee, but it's not like really a big, big thing. But yeah. Okay. Back back to the match. Um, There is an amazing attitude adjustment power slam. (laughs) <laughs> that one was very good. I liked it. It looked crazy. I don't know what it actually would be called, but that's just what I called it because he kind of fireman's carried threw him over and like twisted. I was like, that's fucking cool. I haven't seen anybody really do that. Um, and then he just busts out a gorgeous Northern Lights. And then we mm-hmm. get the Tiger Driver. The Tiger Driver. Driver. Tiger Driver 90. <laughs> Because uh, yep. <laughs> it's 1990. Yeah, the the announcers and everybody just pop huge for the Tiger Driver. I'm like, awesome. Uh, and then Fuki just does a bridging German and gets the win. Off a bridging German. <sighs> what a good fucking match. It was a really good match. I, You know what? I'm actually going to bump it. Just talking about it. I'm going to bump it to a 4 out of 5. <sighs> 3.75. The reason is a 3.75. <laughs> no, 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 no. I loved it, but... The only real detriment I have to this is the the psychology, like the tagging, because, you know, I'm just used to hot tags and big dramatic psychological things. And mm-hmm. this was not really there was I think I feel like most of the psychology came from the Fantastics, which is cool. Like they were great. Yeah. But Kawada and Fuki weren't really working that kind of thing. It was more like a just it was like a singles match with two guys, which is still good. But like I like the psychology of tag wrestling. Um, mm-hmm. but it was still really great. Um, yeah, when when tag wrestling is done really well, yeah. um, it is some of the best wrestling. Period. I agree. Yeah. Uh, what did you think? Uh, so like one, like I remember the Fantastics from being a kid, you know, and I kind of always remembered them. If I'm correct. I think they had a stint in WWE, but like they were kind of... I think of, very shortly, yeah. Yeah, it was yeah. a very short stint, and they kind of just jobbed, and yes. it wasn't like great, so I didn't remember much of them. But seeing mm-hmm. this, and understanding like what's going on, the Fantastics are an amazing tag team. Yeah. Like... Um, Yes. They are extremely wild. And also, I have to say that the Fantastics coming in, they are doing something different than the evil Gaijin comes in to beat up, you know, local Japanese men. Mm-hmm. Um, because at the end of the match, like the Fantastics, uh, like, uh, shake, you know, hands and, you know, you yep. hear one of them talking and it's like, next time we're going to get those titles, but y'all are it's great. Bobby. Y'all are great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, like, that is actually very refreshing uh, to see. And mm-hmm. so to know that the Fantastics are, one, trying to bring in uh, a slight American influence, 
The mm-hmm. match was insane. Like, yeah. they were just going and going and going. Because mm-hmm. I was really afraid with going to the uh, uh, men's side of, you know, Japanese wrestling at this time. I was, like, afraid that it was going to be a whole bunch of rest holds. And, like, while yes. it's more prevalent than, say, in the Joshi show we watched... It was building towards something, which I can always appreciate. Uh, that's interesting, because I, I did notice, like, the women do less rest holds. Do they just have, like, better cardio? Maybe, I, I don't know, but they don't do... The tag match they... had more sleepers and stuff, but, like, those mm-hmm. were moves. I, I don't know how to put it. And And the other matches didn't really have much working over on the ground type stuff. They just did stuff. For most yeah, of the match, so yeah. the Joshi mentality at this time, from what I understand, was, um, you know, Japan is an extremely patriarchal place, always yeah. has been, and um, it was difficult for women to even, like, get the Joshi shows going. It was seen as, like, you know, unseemly. It would be like, you know... In America, trying to get, like, um, a drag racing show. Mm-hmm. You know, like, a weekly drag racing show done on, like, you know, just the strip outside of your mall. Right. Um, it was seen as unsightly, and so um, the Joshi women, from what I understand, like, wanted to differentiate their style of wrestling. Because they were seen as weak, and they couldn't go as hard as the men. They, you know, because this was, at this point, decades of, like, you know, big, beefy Japanese men doing their thing. Right. And so, a lot of people did not take the Joshi wrestlers seriously, so whenever they set out to, like, create their own style and differentiate themselves... They decided to go a thousand miles an hour. That was a way to be undeniable to the audience that they were good. Right. Because your average person, like your average wrestling fan looking at that could not look at Joshi wrestling and go, oh shit, I can do that because they're going a thousand miles an hour for like 15 minutes. Yeah. Like undeniable. Yeah. So what did you give the match? What did you score the match? Um, this match was awesome. Once again, this is mm. this is four Lariatos. Okay, I mean straight up. The surprise of seeing the Fantastics be as great a wrestling team as they are, because like I've heard, you know, redacted Cornette mm-hmm. uh, talk about the Fantastics in very positive light, and yeah. you know. I always took that with a grain of salt because, like, generally the people that he really praises are people that are, like, of his ilk and mindset. And, you know, the Fantastics were an amazing tag team, and it was great to see Kawada for the first time, Mm -hmm. you know, on this show for uh, us. Like, I've seen a lot of Kawada matches, and, ooh, he... Those kicks... Baby. Yeah, they're scary. I was thinking during the match that I would love to see Midnight Express versus the Fantastics because just Bobby Fulton, Bobby. Oh, Eaton, yeah. That would be crazy. Uh, I did have a note here. Like, it's kind of interesting because I, I was thinking during the match that like tag wrestling was light years ahead in Japan. Like they, they are way ahead of the curve. Mm-hmm. At the same time, like tag wrestling was actually pretty good in America during this period. But like when I yeah. think back on it, 
it's kind of, I feel like tag wrestling went through a downturn in the mid to late nineties. Um, because mm-hmm. it, and it's just interesting to me because like it around this time, I think I had brought up like Owen and, and, uh, you know, you had the rockers and you had like Owen and, and Anvil and, and, uh, Heart, Heart Foundation. Foundation. They like those guys were doing a lot of ahead of the time stuff. But then once like the new generation hit and and really from then on, you know, you're watching like fucking I don't even honestly, I don't even know the tag teams in the new gen. Like Men on a Mission. <laughs> who who <laughs> had the fucking belts during the new gen? Like I have no idea. I think it was the Heart uh, Foundation. You had like the fucking uh Dirty Dick Slater and uh, what's the other dude's name? The fucking the the cowboy dudes. You had like I, Barry Wyndham. Barry uh, the Wyndham. I think so. Yeah, you had like Cornette bring back like the Midnight Express. It was like the new Midnight Express or whatever. Oh God! And it was Bob Holly. And, that's uh, right. Who was who was the other guy? But that was like what you God. Yeah, that's what you had back then. That went over like a fucking fart in church. Well, the new generation in general did. But even after that, when you get like to the the glory days of like the Attitude Era, like I mean, and I, I you know I grew up with the Attitude Era, but like it's like fucking Mosh and Thrasher and BOA and fucking Jesus. And then like we see, yeah, yeah. And then you get like you know you get like the glory days of like the Dudleys and the Hardys and Edge and Crit. But but even then, like I like that stuff. But it's really like it's people doing crazy spots off ladders and tables and shit. So like, I mean, I like it, but it's not like I don't think it really returned to this type of tag wrestling until really like the mid to late two thousands, two thousand tens. Like it took a while before it hit that level. I feel like of, of hot yeah. tags, double spots, uh, psychology, uh, you know, the shit you saw in like 1990 and then it just kind of went away in America in like 1993 onwards for some reason. Like it just didn't happen like that anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It's one of those things. Like, I mean, Vince said that, uh, several times that he did not like tag team wrestling in the 90s. He was trying to build... Because, like, in the 90s, he was trying to get the one superstar mentality over. Because he saw how well that, you know, it had worked with Hogan, and you can see this in WWE's booking ever since. Yes. Yeah. Is that they want there to be one top guy who is, like, the draw, and I think it's just a way for Vince McMahon to limit the people that he's having to negotiate with, because if you think about, you know, back in the day, uh, during the Hogan era, like, the there were, like, big names that were, you know, vying for contracts and everything like that, and I think he wanted to limit his scope and power to have a laser focus. I will say in a vacuum in 1993, that makes perfect sense because Jesus Christ, you know, there was fucking nobody like everybody left mm. because of all the scandals and it was fucking horrible. But at the same time, like because it's Vince, uh, it does, you know, that mentality gets all twisted. I mean, fucking Vince caused all that. So fuck him. But uh, <laughs> like if you wouldn't have fucking put Hogan over every single fucking person, he wouldn't have that problem. Uh, and if he wouldn't have had all the scandal issues in the first place, then, you know. It's it's Vince. Fuck him. So, oh my God, I'm look real yeah. quick. I'm looking at some of the 
tag teams of the new generation that were like <laughs> yes, you know, please. the big ones. Please. Indulge right, me. We've got <laughs> um like I'll start off with the good ones. Sure. Um uh uh the Steiner brothers, which Well they were WCW. You know, yeah, WCW Well the Steiners were I correct myself. They were in WWF for a brief period. But like yeah, WCW had, was was doing perfectly fine. Um uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, but the Steiners held the WWF yes. titles twice. They did. I think they had them at WrestleMania 9 when they fought uh fucking Fatu and, you know, them. The the yeah. Wild Samoans. That sounds right. And then yeah, we've got uh Men on a Mission yeah. which is Viscera and it's now he was not guy? named Viscera at the time. <laughs> no, Big Daddy V. <laughs> I don't remember his. No, no, that that was later. <laughs> I don't on. remember his name at the time, but yes. Oh, God, Mo is the, the most important. They, that was the important. Part. Yeah, they they dropped the belts to the Quebecers at a house show. Now the Quebecers, though, that was Jean Jacques Rougeau. Yeah. Yeah, the Quebecers were honestly pretty fucking cool. I like that. Yeah, yeah they were they were legitimately <laughs> Underrated. cool. Yeah. Um, there's the Heavenly Bodies, which like Jesus. <laughs> at that time, that was a throwback tag team. Yeah. Who and... was that? I fucking. Oh my god! It's not three um... shows. Heavenly Bodies. So it must have been like yeah. It was literally a Jim Cornette Smoky Mountain. Uh, God tag damn it. Team. Yeah. There was so much of that in the new gen. It was like Jim Cornette's just like I'm gonna I'm gonna make this work. God damn it. Ugh. And then here's one that like I do not remember at all, and that's a uh, a tag team. They didn't even have a proper name, but it was Marty Janetti and the One Two Three Kid. Yep, that very briefly happened. But, you know, you can tell it's brief because it involves Marty. Yeah. Like, well, yeah, <laughs> the minute that dude had anything, he immediately was out of the company. Yeah, because the second he got in the spotlight, he was like, did I kill my girlfriend? Who I knows? was going to say he did kill somebody. So, <laughs> No, no, no. Who knows? I don't know. I mean, is that person dead? Yes. Did I do it? Who's to say? Marty, Marty, Marty has the amazing knack of going on Facebook and being like, "Wow, it sure would be crazy if the cops investigated these latitude and longitude coordinates for somebody." <laughs> like, what the fuck? Honestly, that was one of the most baffling things to try and reverse engineer, like what the fuck was going on. Because, like, I see Marty Janetti out of con. I'm like, okay, this has to be out of context. That Marty Janetti is saying on social media that he killed somebody and oh. buried a body. Bad news, and Anthony. You got, you got worked. It's all an angle. He got you. He got you, brother. <laughs> he got me, brother. God damn. It's like when they buried Ric Flair in the desert. <laughs> uh, okay. And then, Moving yeah, on, unless you have somebody else. Yeah, go ahead. Real quick. It's yeah, real, yes. real quick, the Godwins. And oh, then, fuck my life. God, okay. Uh, Bob Holly and the one, two, three kid, <laughs> the headbangers, the headbangers were awful. They were so bad. Oh Just my dreadful. God. This was their tag name. I cannot believe that. Okay. Do you remember the, the apparent tag team name that diesel and Shawn Michaels had? Um, 
No, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna remember it. What is it? Two dudes with attitude. I do remember. Okay, yes, yes, that rings a bell. Who was okay? Who was um? And there's there's fucking Kevin Nash with a singlet that says "Dudes with Attitudes." Billy Gunn and 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 uh and Road Dog. It wasn't called Road Dog, but it was uh it was it was Jesse James. It was uh they weren't the the New Age Outlaws. They were like the the something else outlaws or something. I don't remember what it was, but they had a really shitty tag team in the new gen. Oh. <laughs> it was, but they had different characters. Like it was, it was like rockabilly era, Billy Gunn or whatever. Oh. And fucking, yeah, it was bad. So I honestly, I, I wanted to do that new gen, uh, digression for a little bit to kind of avoid talking about this next match. <laughs> Cause really? Interesting. Okay. Well, I'll talk about it. Uh, the British Bulldogs versus Tiger Mask Mitsuhara Misawa. Not long for this world. Mm-hmm. He will. Uh, Tiger Mask isn't long for this world. And Masafuchi. Amazing Tiger Mask music. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess it's just the Tiger Mask theme, but I love it. Uh, yeah. Dynamite Kid Tom Billington <laughs> looking like Dan Severin's young boy. <laughs> <laughs> See, he looks like a fucking dad and a half, holy, <laughs> except for the fucking gig marks all over his head. But he looks like so, he looks like an uncle. Like, <laughs> wow. <laughs> See, I haven't wrote down that he looks like if Freddie Mercury worked with the Super Troopers. Hell yes, <laughs> Freddie Farv over here. Uh, he's okay. So let me let me ask let me ask you. Let me ask you this. Maybe you were about to say this. What do you know? How familiar are you with the Dynamite Kid? This is where I was going. This is where I was going. Okay. So first of all, my knowledge before this match was Dynamite Kid and Davy Boy Smith were the British Bulldogs. Dynamite Kid notoriously worked like fucking crazy and worked mm-hmm. really stiff and notoriously I thought he died in the sense like he died early because that's just the typical wrestling tragedy story. But uh, I, I, all I knew was he, he had a very, I know he was, he was quote unquote difficult backstage and quote unquote uh, fucked over or, or had a really horrible time after this period. Now, so I looked it up and I'm just going to read what I, I'm going to quote from Wikipedia because I didn't know any of this shit. Uh, In September 1990, which is eight months from now uh, that we're watching, Smith abruptly withdrew the Bulldogs from AJPW's annual World's Strongest Tag Termination League by returning to the WWF and fabricating to the All Japan office that Billington, Dynamite Kid, had been in a serious car accident and couldn't compete. Since Smith had trademarked the term, quote, the British Bulldog during the Bulldog's previous run in the WWF, he decided to return to the WWF as the British Bulldog and sent people to the United Kingdom to warn the promoter every time a flyer was distributed promoting Billington as a British Bulldog. As a result of these actions, Billington passionately despised Smith for a long time, my words rightfully so. Johnny Smith yep. took Davy Boy Smith's spot in the world's strongest tag determination league, and the duo known as the British Bruisers continued to compete in all Japan pro wrestling. They managed, well, spoilers, they managed to capture the All Asia Tag Team Championship, but the partnership was short lived. The years of steroid abuse, working a hype impact style, and cocaine usage caught up with Billington. He announced his retirement uh, in 1991. Um, so, 
what a fucker Davy Boy Smith is. What the fuck is wrong with you, dude? What an asshole. Carney piece oh, of yeah. shit. Like No, Davy Boy uh so Davy Boy is the cause for a lot of you you know how they've talked about, you know, the heart found uh the heart families like, you know, strife and stuff like that. Yeah. Davy Boy is the cause of most of it. And he married into the goddamn family. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this isn't absolving all of them because they're all weird and oh, fucked sure. up in their own special ways. 100%. But, like, Davy Smith would go on benders uh, and not be seen for days. I know about a, that. Sometimes yeah. weeks at a time and, like, m- literally make it everyone in the family's, like, problem to go and try and find him or... And, you know, that's one reason, like, Owen Hart was, like, so dead set on, like, just quitting mm-hmm. uh, eventually is just because that way he couldn't be involved in all this because, you know, he'd be spending his few off days at home with his, you know, family and then all of a sudden get a call from one of his sisters and be like, oh, can you go help find Davy Boy? We don't know where he's at and all the crack is gone. The thing that really gets me about this story specifically, because it's one thing to, like, fuck somebody over like a carny and and kind Mm -hmm. of ruin their career in the sake of your career. That shit happened. Hogan's done that like a million fucking times. The thing that really gets me is he he returned to WF as, as the British Bulldog and sent people to the UK to warn the promoter every time a flyer promoted billing to... What are you sending out? Hit mm-hmm. people? What the fuck are you doing? Like, that's insane to me. That's like next level, like manipulative, weird shit. Like, just yeah. Who cares? And yeah, uh, it's awful. Anyway, that's all. Getting us ready for the match with both of them in the same ring together. Um, this didn't happen for eight months, so we're not there yet. Yeah, we're not there yet. But I mean, uh, so. Real quick, mm. with the reason I don't want to talk about this oh. match too terrible much is just because um, the sad story of the Dynamite Kid. Yeah. Um, have you, like, is this your first time, like, seeing the Dynamite Kid with, like, your adult I brain? have seen clips of him, but I haven't really seen mm-hmm. full matches. I, I think I've seen one so, British Bulldogs match in WWF, and that's it. So at this point in time, like, you know, this the Dynamite Kid is on, is, you know, in the twilight of his career. He's about to, you know, stop wrestling. You can kind of tell. Because, yeah. That's because he uh, gets put in a wheelchair <laughs> because of his horrible injuries that finally catch up to him and his addictions and everything like that. And so... Like, also, one of the things that the Dynamite Kid was addicted to was steroids really bad. Because if you haven't seen him before, right now, he looks like a regular person. He looks Mm -hmm. like a regular wrestler. He looks like like a dude. Yeah. Yeah. And that's not a dig. Like, I'm happy because he was carrying probably 50 to 60 pounds of extra muscle mass that made him look uncanny. Yeah, like, like the Don Morocco type thing, where they're just like, like, or really yeah. Davy, honestly. Well, Davy, 
is really strong though. So that's I know he was probably on the gas, but like yeah, yeah, Davey was absolutely on the gas. Dynamite shorter had, though. That's the thing. So yeah, mm-hmm. it has that like Don Morocco thing where he's a smaller guy, but it's just fucking ridiculous. It's like, dude, what are you on? Like, holy shit. Yeah, and so with Davey, like his bigger frame kind of hit a lot of it, but uh, Dynamite, he. His body was not made to carry that much muscle, and that's one of the things that, you know, eventually messed him up. And so seeing him here, he is in pain the entire time. Like, he is doing his shit, and it looks great. Mm -hmm. It looks fantastic. But every time you can see, like, the pain etched on his face. Yeah, the impression I got was, like, well, physically... The impression I got was like Hogan Mania 9 where like he comes back and dude has lost like all his fucking mass. He's just a dude that looks fun- mm-hmm. funny because he's Hulk Hogan, but like he doesn't. He's not the yeah. big fucking crazy dude. And the other impression is like late late 90s WCW Mr. Perfect where the dude cannot work cuz his fucking back is fucked. And he'll go out there and work and he'll do it, but you can tell it's like that dude should not be in the ring. Like, he's hurting. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Yeah. Bulldog, I mean, I'll run through it real quick. Bulldog does most of the heavy yeah. lifting, and I mean, like, literal heavy. He, they, they literally. <laughs> yeah, because it starts off right off the bat. He lifts fucking Masa. Yeah, he gotches Fuji into a top rope dropkick by Dynamite. Jesus Christ. And that's like, it's not, it's one thing to do a missile dropkick, to somebody on the ground, like on the mat, the dude is like lifted up in the air by fucking Davy, and he hits him up there and then falls down onto the mat from the top. That's like, dude, like, holy shit, you're crazy. That's to start the match. Well, I mean, they cut to it, but you know. Yeah. Beautiful delayed vertical suplex by Davy. Basically, I was actually kind of worried going into it because I, I have never been Davy's biggest fan. Um, I think his matches with... Mm. Like, the Warlord were fun because they're both huge fucking hosses who do big power moves. His match with Brett is great because it's fucking Brett in the UK. It's a big storied SummerSlam match that had the biggest (laughs) pop ever. But, like, outside of that, I mean, the dude's not, first of all, he's in Japan. Dude's not a technical wizard, and he's definitely not, like, king of cardio. He's not going to go really fast. He's a big dude. But he basically does a bunch of big fucking crazy moves i don't think they get over with the crowd as much as they like they did with me but i was like damn he's fucking strong misawa mm-hmm. gets tag starts kicking the shit out of davy but he just does like these jumping fucking kicks and these like sidekicks and i was like okay they take turns throwing their opponents out of the ring and into the railing which was just kind of okay davy military presses misawa and carries him over to the fucking apron and throws him out onto fuji jesus he is incredibly powerful like i was like that's yeah because he he does it it looks easy for him to do and plus the crowd you hear them they kind of go like (gasps) just an intake of breath i love that (gasps) when crowds do that when you can hear the crowd go (gasps) oh yeah yeah. that's really great Um, incredibly gorgeous missile dropkick from asawa he kind of goes like it's really deep he does like that deep drop kick. I love that. 
And yeah. Davy Boy does power slam into another rocket launcher to get the win, which is kind of funny. Like, this is the second rocket launcher of the show, but the other one was at the beginning of the match. This one's at the <laughs> end. Yeah, and this one was the diving headbutt rocket launcher, which, like, yeah, don't please do that. don't. Uh, the ending uh, but, was you know. very goofy to me because, because and yep. you probably noticed this too, but Tiger Mask comes in the ring to break it up, and Davy Boy, like, goes over to that corner and, like, raises his fist like he's going to punch him, and Tiger Mask kind of just backs off. Like, he's just like, okay, don't hit me. Yep. And then and then the, the three <laughs> count happens, and I'm like, hey, what the fuck? Just go around him. Like, he's he's not even, like, in his way. He's just off to the side, like, threatening him. Yeah, M- Misawa just puts his hands on his hips and just starts shaking his head and walks away from Davy Boy. Yeah. And, Dave, and Davy Boy is confused. I was confused. I was like, okay, is this actually the angle that Misawa like failed his buddy? Or is it like is it just he's upset about losing? Yeah, uh was so, it on Fuchi? It's hard to tell. Yeah. So here is a little bit of the background on this. So okay. uh Misawa we are not long for this world seeing, you know, Tiger Mask, you know, Misawa's yeah. Tiger Mask. I know it's up in, like, March or something. Yeah, yeah, It's coming up soon. So, yeah. the thing is, uh, storyline-wise, um, Misawa is playing that he does not want to be Tiger Mask. Okay, now, good. Now, the thing is, that's kayfabe, but this is also real life. Um, oh, he worked he himself does, into a shoot, yeah. Or he shot himself <laughs> into a work. Into a work, yeah. And, and that's the thing, that's the legend surrounding this, because yeah. um, soon, you know, uh, Misawa is going to have a very dramatic moment, and I think we'll come across it, so we'll just let it happen. Or Tiger Mask yeah. will have a dramatic moment. Yeah. Um, And so it is hard to tell where the kayfabe ends and the you know, shoot begins because Misawa at this point, it was also reported that, um, giant Baba, uh, you know, because all Japan licensed the tiger mask character. They don't, they don't own it at this time. Okay. So they are paying royalties to have the tiger mask character. And Misawa has been doing it for six years at this point. And Misawa was like a, a big up and comer in like eighty, you know, two, eighty three, and eighty four, mm-hmm. and then he got bestowed the Tiger Mask identity, which was you know a cool thing at the time. But but then it wore on after a it, while. Yeah, it's like I've been doing this for years. You know? And so it's rumored that you know Giant Baba pretty much said, "No, you're wearing the mask forever, kid." You know, to this near forty year old. <laughs> um <laughs> I think he's thirty-three at this time. Um, it's like the blue blazer. Yeah, yeah. And so Well, they didn't stick Owen with it for that long, but you know, once they fight once they restuck it on him, it's like, dude, come on, he's Owen. Hart. Yeah. Like fucking come on. <laughs> and so apparently there was like real backstage heat between, you know, John Baba and him. But it could be a work because they could have just been working everyone for the angle. So it's real hard to tell. But there is a lot going on in this match with, you know, Davy Boy and Dynamite. And then this with Misawa that just 
leaves a sour taste in my mouth about this match. Yeah, um, I gave it a three out of five. It it had a lot of power spots, but it was it was a fun enough match on its own. It's just the psychology was kind of off. Um, it's mm-hmm. kind of like eh, it was okay. I I think as far as if in a vacuum, as far as Davy performances go, it was great. Yeah, but that's kind of like. Uh, not the whole story of the thing. Uh, I I've seen basically I've seen Davey have way worse matches. So oh it yeah, was kind of ninety percent of his fucking library is bad matches. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so I thought he was like the weak link in this, but he ended up carrying a lot of the match. Him and Misawa. So Fuchi didn't do much. And and again, we like when we talked about Kabuki. I feel like he's one of the older guys who's mm-hmm. staying in and helping out. Um, but he didn't, it didn't seem that way. Just, just from the work rate, you could tell he wasn't working as hard as Masawa was, but it was all right. Yeah. Uh, um, I only gave this two stars just because seeing Dynamite's, you know, pained expression every time he did something. Um, yeah. and then Misawa at this point, it's, it's very off-putting and really turned me off. So only two, mm. two Lariatos. Gotcha. Well, it's time for the main event, which is, of course, <laughs> it's time for yeah. the main it's event. The legendary oh, love- matchup of John Cena versus Randy Orton. <laughs> <laughs> Our last match is Genichiro Tenryu versus Ivan Kolov. Now, I yeah. got excited because mm-hmm. I'm stupid. <laughs> And I thought yep. it was Nikita Koloff. And I <laughs> I love Nikita Koloff. I always have. I always will. I thought he was fucking awesome in the best way yep. possible. But it's not Nikita Koloff. It's Ivan Koloff. It is. <laughs> Ivan Koloff, a much different brand. It's I, like whenever your mom goes to get you Captain Crunch and comes <laughs> back with, like, pirate shoes. <laughs> Well, but like it's, like, it's not the knockoff Captain Crunch. It's what Captain Crunch used to be in like the fifties before they <laughs> refined. You know what I mean? Like it's the old ass Captain. It's stale. It's like fuck this shit. I want I want Nikita Kolov. No, I have a Kolov. This is horrible. Back back whenever on the box it proudly displays thirty percent less sawdust. Yes. So, uh, yeah, I have before this. I th- I knew about Ivan Kolov, but I'd never seen dude wrestle like ever, ever. Yeah. Before before any of this really takes place, Tenryu's blindsided coming out. Um, do you know who blindsided him? No. Okay. I was trying to figure it out. I did the research, and I will have you know uh-huh. I figured it out because luckily, okay. I'm I'm pretty i'm i'm not versed in japanese but i was able to figure out from the commentary because this guy comes up they're all in these revolution uh jackets which is the name of the of tenry's faction and tenry is a former sumo wrestler uh turn turn mm-hmm. real wrestler uh real wrestler and uh he uh <laughs> so this guy in the in one of these red jackets blindsides him and and the the announcers go like oh and then the, the announcer goes uh tagaki desne and i'm like oh isn't it tagaki that's what he's saying and then i'm like wait a minute shingo takagi it's takagi not tagaki 
Shingo Takagi? I'm like, no, he's like not even Shingo. born yet. This Shingo Takagi's okay. a, a current NJPW wrestler. It's yeah, not yeah, him. Yeah, he's yeah, like yeah. the G one and shit. So I'm <laughs> so because because I had the problem that I Googled, I was like, okay, it's gotta be it's gotta be Takagi. So I, I Googled Takagi wrestler, and you can guess what happens. It says, ah, you must mean Shingo Takagi. I'm like, no, no, I don't. This yeah, three year old yeah. not beating up Tenry. <laughs> So, <laughs> so uh, no, it is. When Shingo was three, he went to a 60-minute Iron Man draw with him. Woo! He went all the way, brother. You it's couldn't imagine. 80,000 screaming fans, brother. Uh, it was Isao, Isao Takagi. I don't know if I'm saying that right. I-S-A-O Takagi. A former sumo wrestler. Uh, who would end up in Super Ooh. World of Sports with Tenryu. Uh, they had a kind of rivalry. And Tenryu also, spoilers, not long for the company, although he is great. And this was like his his best period. Mm-hmm. Uh, he ends up up and leaving the company, just like it kind of shocked people how quickly he was just out. Um, and so this is starting off the kind of interfaction rivalry with the sumo guys and uh, yes, I I managed to look it up. It was kind of difficult. Uh, no, that's that's awesome. Like, uh, well, let me ask you mm-hmm. this: How familiar are you with uh, Genichiro Tenryu? Uh, I saw him on the uh, sorry, the Summit Show, the Wrestling Summit. Did, did he fight? Okay. Who did he fight again? I can't remember. Um, it was uh, God, f- fucking. Was it Macho? I think you're right. Yeah. No. Yeah, I think it was Macho. It was no. Macho. Yeah, because he beat him with the Tenryu bomb, and I was like, I was like, yeah, I was like, okay. that sold me. I was like, Tenryu fucking rules. I love this dude. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, I mentioned it last time then, but yeah, uh, Tenryu is like essentially the Ric Flair in the fact of like he's wrestling Ric Flair a lot of the time. Like I've seen a couple of their matches together where Rick was in Japan and was amazing. he Good hold stuff. on was he the dude that came over for the WCW Japanese tournament to fight Flair that wasn't Tenryu was it I'm gonna look this up it... WCW hmm. cut this out don't cut it out though because it's very entertaining Japanese tournament that was in what a bit it was Muda. WCW no no Maybe. I remember watching this though uh no, it's Fujinami. Tatsu, Tatsumi Fujinami, Fujinami in ninety one. Uh okay. But that was uh oh that was New Japan. That's why. Never mind. I'm wrong. But you know, uh yeah. people were probably yeah. back and forth, so I assumed it might have been Tenryu, but I remembered it not looking like yeah. Tenryu. Now, uh you are correct that this is all fascinating and much more fascinating in the match (laughs) (laughs) what i found fascinating about the match was at the very beginning is one tenryu's music sounds Mm. like a saturday morning cartoon version of metallica's for whom the bell tolls which (laughs) yeah add more synth (laughs) add more synth and you got it Okay. It's like a um, Oh, it's like the X-Men theme. The X-Men theme. <laughs> it's kind of similar. Yeah. Uh which is a um, badass theme by the way. I fucking love yes. that theme. Oh, it's dun, 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 That was great. Um Go on. But did you notice like right before Tenryu came out? 
there was one dude who looked so fucking happy to be there. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's sitting there waving a fucking USSR flag. Hell yes. Just like so fucking happy. And you know, Tenryu's music hits and he's like, boo. Just like a little, uh, just a little thumbs down, no. but still looks so like happy. The, just boo. It's like the Orange Cassidy thumbs down. <laughs> no. And, and it's just so funny because like, Imagining the political climate of, like, trying to, like, trying to sell communism as a whole as a bad thing in Japan is kind of a weird sell, just because Mm. of, you know, their relationship with fascism and stuff. But also, just the fact that, like, there's this one Japanese man who's like, yay, the USSR, who, like... (laughs) shellacked the or uh or uh they got shellacked by Mm -hmm. the japanese military in you know Mm -hmm. the russo wars and now for the viewers at home shellacking means no go on yes (laughs) shellacking is what uh doing a colonialism is what we. my manservant uh (laughs) my manservant habibi he owns oh no his family used to own the shellacking company, but I took it over. And with my yes. Western expertise. Now, um, some yeah. of you listening or watching might want us to talk about the match. And instead, what I'm going to do is <laughs> I'm going to play a game. And that game is how old is, is uh, Ivan Kolov? Oh, at this point in time, he is probably well, now, 56 years old. Well, today he's probably like 90 or dead. He's probably dead. Well, I that's another he game. Is, is, is he dead? <laughs> but I don't like that game. Uh, okay. I guessed, and I was very generous. I said 49. I was very generous. How, how you said 56? So he yeah, said, he's, he's, he's right. very grizzled. I have the results. Mm-hmm. He was born... In 1942, which means in 1990, he was 48. So yeah. I was pretty okay. close. And okay, for the second not as fun game, he died in 2017. But hey, All they right. made it pretty long, I think. 42 to 17 isn't, isn't too bad. Died at his home yeah. from... Well, never mind. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> let's stop the game uh, there. Uh, no, no. This liver cancer. Hmm, that's sad. But he had a long life. So, uh, now. <sighs> yeah, uh, r- real quick, yeah. like, you know, I'm going to avoid talking about the actual match again. Yes. Uh, <laughs> There's two things so, in the match to discuss. We'll get to those at the end. Go ahead. Yeah. One thing that I thought was very funny is, um, like, a lot of these Japanese matches, Mm. like, have a similar start-off, which is, like, someone, either the opponent or someone else, blindsides the baby face. Yes. um, Sometimes the baby face blindsides the heel. I I don't- Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just what happens, yeah. Yeah, and it is, like, such a thing and a trope, and it's definitely, like, I'm still enjoying it, but I can see where it definitely, like, loses a lot of its impact, where it's like, oh, okay, yeah. I think it's funny that it's the inverse of the American wrestling match, where everybody starts with the lockup, you know? 
Like, <laughs> it just goes like this. Yeah, and then at the end, it ends in the schmoz. Yes, exactly. The schmoz happens before the match. Yeah, then at the end, they end in a yeah, lockup. <laughs> <laughs> now, and yeah, like, uh, Tenryu gets, you know, just lambasted by that dude and then like eats more chairs than the public enemy before the match even starts yes uh takagi but the match okay two things happen in the match i mean lots of things happen in the match but nothing happens uh and the match is short anyway so it doesn't matter um Mm -hmm. the only interesting things that happen are tenryu does the octopus stretch on ivan kolov to wake me up Mm-hmm. Thank you, Tenryu, uh, for doing yep, yep. an awesome octopus stretch that Ivan Kolov goes over to the ropes to break. And then uh, Tenryu wins out of nowhere with the back elbow drop from the top. And the yeah. the funniest thing that happens is Kolov gets up, he starts beating <laughs> him up outside the ring, and then yep. they just stop. <laughs> They just it just stop. gets broken up, and Ted Ryu just walks to the back. Walks He's like, off. Well, yep. I won, so fuck this. <laughs> <laughs> Ted Ryu's just like, fuck you, got mine. And fuck Koloff is mine. like, damn, I guess I lost. At least I got to beat him up a little. And that's it. That's the whole fucking thing. <laughs> so uh, I gave it a 1.5 out of 5. It was a match that occurred in our reality, yeah. in our timeline. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, like it is, it is an interesting match because, you know, I'm familiar with Ivan Koloff because, I mean, I can remember watching Ivan and Nikita Koloff tag team together in like NWA and stuff. Mm. And like Tenryu is very good. Like, I don't know if you noticed this, but like his chops in those matches just sound like firecrackers going off. Yes. Like, you know you know how like they talk about people having they could have a match with a broom, you know? Mm-hmm. I feel yeah. like this was Tenryu trying to have a match with like one of those big fucking street sweeper <laughs> machines. Fuck off a big fuck off push broom. <laughs> yeah. Like it's like that's really fucking diff like there's only so much you can do, okay? The dudes like and, and the other thing was because of the way the match started with the angle, Kolov had to get ninety percent of the offense, which is like What's he going to do? He's just going to hit him in the back and kind of lean on him over and over. It's like, mm, no, man. Mm-mm. Yeah. And even whenever Tenryu got offense on Ivan, like, I knew this from being a kid. I was like, Ivan will not bump for this man. Yes. Like, Ivan has lost a lot of his, like, bulk. Because mm-hmm. um, he used to be, like, he's still huge. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, but um, he used to be like probably 30, 40 pounds heavier and like built like a linebacker. And yeah. so like, you know, I uh, Ivan is an old hand and he is not going to bump no matter what. Like he bumps once, I think, for a, a clothesline after Tenryu hits him like seven times and pulls out a gun. Yeah. But even then, he no-sells the fucking shot, so... <laughs> yeah, it really takes you out of it. It's it's like if, like, Slaughter had a match with fucking Stone Cold in, like, 98, and he came out and just started <laughs> whipping his ass for... But not, like, whipping his ass, just getting heat on him for, like, five minutes, 
and then you know yeah. he got hit by the stunner and lost. You'd be like, why did that match need to like? Shouldn't Stone Cold just fucking whip, like, murder him and just win? Like, why the fuck is this even happening? And that was how this felt. It was like, I mean, no disrespect to yeah. Nikita Cole, uh, to Ivan Cole. I'm definitely not to Nikita. But to Ivan, it was like, oh, I mean. Do you remember Nikita Koloff's finisher? The fucking sickle. Hell yes, I do. that. I love that. <laughs> God! It's like the oh, best that... clothesline in the world. I love that fucking move. Um, oh, whip so and much And he had the ass. chain. I fuck it, and his mm-hmm. and his fucking amazing, amazing accent. There was this, it's like it's like shut your mouth. That's that that wrestling accent is up there with with Rusev's lawyer. You remember that? <laughs> One of my favorite wrestling. As Mister Rusev's attorney, he will not be signing this contract. And the fucking Cole's like, oh, that guy's not a lot. Shut up, Cole. Shut the fuck up. He's great. Shut. <laughs> Fuck up, Cole. <laughs> oh, my. He's not a liar. Shut so, up. <laughs> so, yeah, um, I think that we came into a perfect time, honestly, because this is a lot of the old guard that we're kind of, like, seeing come in and go out. And, like, Ivan Koloff is one of the mainstays that, like, you know, in even in Japan, who... You know, the shine has worn off on him. Yeah. He's much older now. Like, you know, his matches in the 80s were like. They're well behind him. Really wild. Yeah. yeah. You know, and Tenryu, uh, Tenryu is 40 at this time. Also not long for like, the company, although I love him. He's he's great. Yeah, yeah. No, he's great. Uh, he's not long for the company, though. And you can kind of like see that. <laughs> the way the card is stacked, you have, which is similar to the Joshi event, uh, once you think about it, is you started off with a young talent, mm-hmm. you know, uh, Kobashi, um, you know, trying to take on some of the old guard, old guard wins, and then you've got the uh, tag match of, like, you know, the hot young tag team who's, you know, just tearing it up, uh, facing uh, the Fantastics. And then you have some of the, like, you know, as you get up in the card, you get, like, the older talent and stuff until finally it's, like, peak elderly statesmen of it. You know, and and that's not to say that that's a bad thing, but at this time, like, a lot of the gas is running out of the tank of a lot of these uh, older stars. They either have their eyes set on something else, or they're just not long for the wrestling world. Yeah, I find it interesting that Tenryu fought Savage at the last show, because I kind of think of both, from what I've read about Tenryu, I think of both of them kind of similarly, in that, like, Savage, like, you wouldn't think he was in the twilight of his career around this time, but really, he had, like, two more years. I mean, I know he's in WCW, but fuck off with that. Like, I mean, like, when you think Savage, you think wwf randy savage Mm -hmm. and he only had a couple more years before he's just fucking out like he's just gone and he's not gone but like he's not wrestling yeah and i think like if you look at savage's career in ww it's like wow he just i feel like he had many years left in the tank and it just didn't work out and then tenry it's like he just up and leaves all japan and he's just like eh I mean, he does still work, but it's definitely like it, it's almost the same type of thing where it's like, wow, I I thought this dude was like up to be like a legend because he's not 
I do not believe he's one of the pillars. It's Misawa, Kobashi. I always forget the fourth one. Kawata. Kawata. Kawata and, and Tao. Or Tao. Yeah. Um, but not. Yeah, he's not there. So or I think it's pronounced Toei. I think actually. it is Toei. Um, but yeah, like uh, Tenry is not in that discussion, and I think he might have been if he. I mean, I know he's forty, but that's a good five to ten years. Mm-hmm. Um, and it only took well, yeah, like five I mean, years, he, I assume. You know. Yeah, he would have been in uh, the position to like pass the torch, and I mean, I think he still does. You know, sure. in essence, like help to pass the torch but you know say um some of the uh older wrestlers and stuff you got kabuki Mm -hmm. uh even muda at this point is you know getting up there yeah uh but i think muda i think muda wrestled for new japan he yeah Uh, i just feel with like macho for example like i i know he did pass the torch uh to warrior and mm -hmm. and the other guys but like i feel like i feel like macho could have could have stuck around and been like one of he could have probably saved the new gen in a lot of ways but well uh do you know the the backstage on some of that? well uh i know the bullshit backstage and then i know some of the other stuff well like uh i know I, yeah there's a lot of stuff macho macho during the period. yeah macho had injured uh his knee i want to say you know he had an injury yeah. And Vince pretty much put him on the sidelines, and that's why we got Macho Man as a commentator in, like, 92, Which was terrible. 93. Yeah. Um, and, like, Vince was dead set on, no, Macho, you can't wrestle. And then, you know, like, Macho went on to WCW. Like, I know you're kind of down on it, but I think that Macho's uh, character work uh, in WCW and some of his matches are amazing. Yeah, like I, his, I'm not saying he's bad. It's just that his best times are behind him. Yeah, and he, it became mired by the NWO business, like yeah, like yeah. that because that kind of hijacks that holds. I, I think like Macho's best time in WCW for me was I've around, been around Black Bull <laughs> around World War Three era where where he was area where he was uh, where he took the title and like shot down hogan i mean it didn't work out anyway because obviously hogan gets what he wants but like you know he told him like this isn't your moment it's my moment like that kind of thing like that's that's what i think because because the thing about macho was always you know he's always the bridesmaid never the bride like that's just always how it was so and that was the thing also he's fucking commentating on wrestlemania 9 and fucking hogan's wrestling when two fucking matches when he shouldn't even be on the show and, and mm-hmm. he should be passing the torch. He should have passed the torch forever ago, and he never did. So it was always like, it, I mean, we're we're talking a lot about WWF on the AJPW show, but I'm just saying, like, Tenryu, I get the same impression where I was like, I know he passed the torch, but I feel like he, it wasn't necessarily his time to pass it. Like, I feel like sometimes guys in wrestling get ahead of themselves on, like, their, which is, you know, better than the alternative of, like, Hogan, but they get to where it's like, you know, it's my time to go. I should put somebody else up. Well, then again, only 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 the wrestlers can decide their own time to go. Like if if they want to go, then that's yeah. their business. You know, uh, of course, Macho came back though. Uh, but yeah, that's yeah. you know. Like- uh, one, one thing that I think this is making me want to do is like, you know, we we have a lot of like the backstage details on like a lot of yeah. um uh 
American wrestlers, and I'd really like to know some of the backstage stuff, because we're just intimating a lot of these things and kind of uh, sussing it out. Yeah. Um, and yeah, like, one thing that these shows are making me want to do is, like, research, like, the people involved, because these are interesting people. Yes. And, like, and the way the company beyond, is. Yeah, is interesting. Yeah, the way the company is, because, like... Giant Baba, like, he is, you know, I I want to know if he is, like, actually creating the shows or if he's more of a figurehead, you know? Like, I want to know who all is involved. Uh, the higher and, power. yeah, it's yeah. just the higher power. The higher power. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, like, I, I'm really enjoying these shows, and so, you know, uh... If we're going to follow, you know, the format and everything, so next week will be uh, the next sequential Joshi show, won't it? Yes. Unless we, we'll probably have one-offs where we yes. do something different once in a while. Um, I mean, we won't do it yeah, yet, so- but, you know, sooner or later we could do, for example, when Full Gear rolls around, we can do Full Gear. Um, if if there's a big, yeah. and, uh, they're still doing G1 right now, I believe, so when maybe they do the final night of G1. Uh, we might want to do that. Um, obviously it's not AJPW, okay. but it's Japanese stuff like that. We could uh do some one-offs here and there. We won't do them all the time because otherwise, all we would do is the G1 finished. Full gear happened. Yeah, yeah. The what? whatever garbage fucking pay-per-view WWE, <laughs> 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 which we will do as a lark sooner or later. Just not the Saudi shows because fuck that, and I won't pay any. No, I, absolutely. Uh, I will not. allegedly not pay anything to watch their content. Fuck off, CIA people listening to this podcast. <laughs> but yeah, um, but yes, because yeah, I, I think something that would be interesting is uh, every now and again, like focusing on one, once we have a little bit more of the library set up, like focusing yes. on a single person. Because yeah, and, and you know, if I could just you know, put this idea out there. I would love to actually like follow kind of the lineage of tiger mask and the various yes. people that have been under that hood. Cause this is an interesting thing that like, you know, dates back to like 1968. I have an idea. We watch the next show mm-hmm. and each of us gets a project. Okay. <laughs> so, Depending on who's on the Joshi show, uh, we each pick somebody. We let each other know who it is. <laughs> that way we don't do the same person. Because then we, we do just a, be comparing notes. No, no, we do a sealed envelope that we send to each other's post office oh, shit, box. <laughs> well, the next episode will be out in 2024. Uh, <laughs> no. What? No, I hear the U.S. post office is doing great. Oh, yeah. It's, it's awesome. What? <laughs> did something happen? <laughs> um... We'll uh we'll pick one person a piece and then we'll just do some research. It doesn't have to be anything extensive. We'll have a little segment for each. It's kind of like how I did this uh Davy Boy Smith uh uh dynamite yeah. business. But that's more depressing, but still. That way we get uh last show who was it? Suzuki? Was that her name? Mm-hmm. Uh God. uh Minami Toyota. It was her opponent. Uh Oh, uh Mima Suzaki. Suzaki. Yeah. I did research on her on my own after the show because I was like, man, she fucking rules. I love her to mm-hmm. death and I've never seen her or heard about her. And then I looked it up and it was like, yeah, she's really underrated. She worked in Joshi and AJPW and then 
fucking retired and you were like yeah because she's probably made to retire because they did that i was like that's fucked up um (laughs) yeah giant baba who's like 900 years old and best friend is like grew up with the crypt keeper (laughs) is sitting there with his horrible chicken arms being like yeah 25 is just way too old for a woman to be wrestling yes also too old for a man, but luckily I am Giant Baba, and I'm from outer space, so I can wrestle until <laughs> I'm 300 years old, and my limbs fall off. <laughs> yeah, rest in piss. Uh, <laughs> he's dead, right? He's gotta be dead. Has he's to be. dead. He's super Has dead. But, uh, no, man of the people, we all love him. Giant Bob, <laughs> we all love son him. of a son of a. Plumber. We all love giant son of an alien plumber. Um, okay, so yes, that's all for this week. Next week we will cover all Japan women's pro wrestling uh, for the next date in January. I don't have the card, okay. but it'll be Hell, awesome. Yes, it'll probably have Bull Nakano yeah. and I'll die. <laughs> oh God! Yeah. I mean, all of these shows, like, there have been a few that, like, are disappointing, but at the same time, I feel are very interesting and required to, like, see the milieu of, like, what is happening. If I watch through WWF Raw in 1998, uh, I can watch through this. Like, I can go through the ups and downs. (laughs) I watched WWF in fucking 2015, for God's sake. So I think I'll be fine. Uh, didn't yeah. didn't we have a sign off? I forget what we decided on. Was it a wild? Oh God! Was it a wild yeah. Pegasus. Thing? Oh, we did. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, we sign off with uh, threatening. Oh, someone. that's right. We threatened. <laughs> Who did we threaten last time? It was like. Yeah, yeah. It was Marty uh, Scroll. Oh God, it was Marty Scroll. Yeah, yeah, it was Marty Skrull, well, where I really wanted people to go to Marty Skrull's well, house and make- Allegedly. Now that Marty Skrull has been Wild Pegasus, Alleged- then we'll never hear from him again. After our, <laughs> our, our top men, our top Wait, men we, did their duties to- and took him out. Go on. <laughs> we, 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 we need to look up and see- if it's Wild Pegasus or Pegasus Kid, because okay. my brother has me bugged. All right, me right, all right I'll look ha- this up. Uh, <clears throat> redacted Japan. Yeah. <laughs> Red- uh, redacted Benoit. Okay. Uh, it was both. It was the Pegasus Kid and Wild Pegasus. Okay, all right, fine. I like Wild Pegasus um, better. <laughs> this was in New Japan as well, so I don't think we will be seeing him. Not that we would anyway, because he would be replaced by a large yeah. black box that would overshadow the screen. But, uh, <laughs> okay, but now I have a nomination for this week. Have okay. you heard? Mm-hmm. Now, you told me about the, the WOW stuff. Have you heard the latest? Okay. That's a no. Um... That's a no. You wouldn't. You would know what oh, I'm talking about. No. Tessa. So th- this is yeah. Has a new shirt. No. It's a big mushroom cloud, and it says nuclear at the top. And immediately, everybody was like, "You can't fucking be serious. Are you joking me?" And now there's pictures of fucking AJ Lee, AJ Mendez standing next to Tessa, like. Here we go. Fuck's sake. Oh. I Okay, so this week's Wild Pegasus 
I think we should sign off <laughs> is definitely Tessa Blanchard. Uh, Tessa, fuck off. <laughs> Get fucked, for Christ's sake. Please just go away. I don't know why you're still around. I don't know how anybody cares about you. Ugh. Tessa get out of here. Okay. All right, Tessa, I want you to get real close to the microphone. All right. Or, or, or to the headset. I hope that while you're Uh-oh. out and about on an evening stroll, that someone comes along and beep, 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 and then they pick up a brick and they take that and then they beep, 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 beep. And then while you are sitting there staring up at the sun, I want you to make sure that you remember beep, 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 beep. What? (laughs) And then finally, when the light leaves your eyes, beep, beep, beep. And I hope you have to live with it. Oh, my God. I've never even heard of that position. Is that a judo thing? And I don't think the rest of it's OSHA certified. Oh, (laughs) no, no, not at all. God. Wow. Could she even operate a forklift? (laughs) Anyway. I mean, she could be attacked by one. Oh, you mean mean beep by one. Beep, beep, beep. Anyway. (laughs) You mean beep, beep, beep. beep. Until next time, allegedly. Signing. Have fun. Till next time, we are the people from Burning Yammer. So have fun and don't become a wild Pegasus. Uh-huh.